0: good evening everyone welcome to another bible study session let us pray father we thank you we thank you for another time to worship you to learn from your word as a community as a tribe as your disciples we ask that you open the eyes of our hearts today to hear what you are saying to us at this very moment father open the eyes of our faith to see that which is eternal so that we may move with a conviction that doesn't hold on to unbelief even in the face of impossibilities but that our faith becomes empowered by your word and that our faith grows in confidence that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength and that our faith is strengthened by the finished work of the cross and in knowing that you who started this work in us is faithful to complete it until the day he returns. Holy Spirit, I ask that you give me the tongues of the ready writer and you speak through me, not my words, but yours. Oh God, my Father, be with my mouth and teach me what to say every time I speak. My Father, give me a mouth of skillful words and wisdom. Father, as I open my mouth, fill it with what I need to do your will tonight, I declare that I become lesser and lesser and Christ becomes greater and greater in me. Lord, we thank you. We adore you and we welcome you into our midst. Holy Spirit, I know you are here because I can feel you. You are here. And I thank you for what you are set to do tonight. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yes, thank you. We welcome you and we love you. Thank you for gracing us with your presence. Thank you. You are evident. You are here. And I thank you for the work you are going to do tonight. Thank you for the hard work. Thank you for, ah, for the refining. Thank you for clarity. Thank you for wisdom. Thank you for mercy. Thank you holy spirit. Thank you for healing. Thank you because you I release your healing streams as I speak tonight. Let your word go forth as healing streams. Let your word go forth as life that brings healing and restoration to hearts tonight. In Jesus name. Amen. Before we jump right into today's um, reading, I'm going to do a quick recap of what we studied last session. So last time we, we studied John 7, 37 to 53, and here is a quick recap. Number one, God doesn't leave you the way he met you or found you. Real interaction with God always leads to transformation in you and impact to others. It always produces fruit. Number two, if we allow the Holy Spirit flow from our heart, our character and words become tools that God uses to empower, to build and to heal other people. Number three, a religious spirit is the biggest hindrance to the growth and spiritual maturity of an existing believer. If we don't submit to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, we will tend to fall for religion and it sets us, it sets us back from unlocking the fullness of God. Number four. Time is the greatest asset of a believer and also the and also the enemy's greatest weapon against a believer. We must be intentional about spending time with God. This is this is the only way, pretty much. Finally, at the end of everything, when we go home, at the end of the, on that last day, everyone is accountable for their own life. Accountability with God is not a group project, it is personal, it is personal lives, so that was just a recap from our last session, so I'm going to jump right into the scripture, I'm going to read you from the Christian Standard Bible, so John chapter 8 verses 1 to 20, thank you Lord, verse 1, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, verse 2. At at dawn, he went to the temple again, and all the people were coming to him. He sat down and began to teach them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, making her stand in the center. Teacher, they said to him, this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. In the law of Moses, the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? (laughs) They asked this to trap him, to test him, another translation says, in order that they might, they might have evidence to accuse him. Jesus stooped down and started writing on the ground with his finger. So verse 7, when they persisted in questioning him, he stood up and said to them, The one without sin among you, among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he stooped down again and continued writing on the ground. When they heard this, they left one by one starting with the older men. Only he was left, so that was Jesus, with the woman in the center. When Jesus stood up, he said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, she answered. And then Jesus said, neither do I condemn you, said Jesus. Go and from now on, do not sin anymore. Verse 12. And Jesus spoke to them again. So the other people left in the crowd. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Verse 13. So the Pharisees said to him, you are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not valid. Even if I testify about myself, Jesus replied, my testimony is true because I know where I come from, I came from and where I am going. But you don't know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one. Verse 16, and if I do judge, my judgment is true. This is like a tongue twister <laughs> because it is not I alone who judge, but I and the father who sent me even in your law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies about myself and the father who sent me testifies about me. Verse 19, then they asked him, where is your father? (laughs) You know, and then Jesus said, you know neither me nor my father. Jesus replied, if you knew me, you would also know my father. He spoke these words by the treasury, while teaching in the temple. But no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. We're jumping right in. Um, so Jesus went to Mount Olives. So as we know from our previous study, Jesus stayed in Galilee for the feast instead of going to Judea. And so here it says, after the feast was over, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is significant here because olives represent oil, and in this case, anointing oil, which represents the Holy Spirit. So Jesus went to get fresh anointing. He went for a refill. This also tells us that daily, we need to access Mount Olive. We need the Holy Spirit for fresh infilling. And then after getting refreshed and refilled, He he said he went back to the temple again to teach. So when you use up spiritual and even physical energy, you need to intentionally go back to the presence of God to get refreshed, to get a refill of the anointing, to be able to continue to do the work. As disciples and as leaders, I think we can learn both a spiritual and a physical discipline here from the life of Jesus as disciples we must always be replenished by the spirit we must spend time in the presence of God to be refilled after doing God's work remember Jesus had he had just taught in the temple for the feast so just 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 imagine picture a three-day conference of speaking for three days like back to back So he had to be, he was probably exhausted, tired. He had to be refilled, replenished. So he went to Mount Olives. So whether you are trying to live out your God-ordained purpose, or you're trying to use your God-given gift or talent to do what God has called you to do, be it in your ministry, in your career, in your business, in your relationships, you must always replenish. You're not energizer, Bunny. You must always replenish. Take time off to replenish. And this is why we sing songs like Fill me up till I overflow. I want to run because you have to be filled up. You cannot give from an empty cup. Your cup must be filled before it can overflow. The more we go back into the presence of God or even cultivate our lives to be permanent carriers of his presence, to become mobile portals and altars, then we can continually walk in the overflow of the spirit. Secondly, as leaders, after delivering on your work, or maybe a huge project or an assignment. Take time off to rejuvenate, to replenish. Don't go back to back with work. Take time, take that time to rejuvenate and operate from a renewed mind, a renewed spirit and renewed body so that you can take on the next thing that is coming to you with a calm mind and with ease. We must make a commitment to walk in overflow and not overwhelm. Some of us go back to back on projects. We don't take breaks in between for whatever reason we think that doing that is a guarantee to security but our security and assurance and help comes from God who made heaven and earth Psalm 121 verse 1 so why not lean on him for renewal and strength rest in the presence of God and i believe that that is the word for somebody here today we move moving on we see Jesus going back to the temple it says early in the morning i think this is another discipline that Jesus cultivated that became one of his habits He loved to wake up early to spend time with God in prayer. As disciples whose role model is Jesus, this discipline is one we should all adopt. I'll be honest with you, this is an area I struggle with. Like, I'm not even that morning person, like. (laughs) But with the help of the Holy Spirit, he helps me, you know, every now and then, get up early to pray and to wait on the Lord, right? And so this is definitely still a work in progress, but it's definitely a good discipline. And why is it a good thing to it's not like there's there's no formula like you have to wake up early. If you don't wake up early, then maybe God is not answering you. No, it's just a good discipline because I find that early in the morning, <clears throat> you know, everywhere is calm and still. It just really allows you to hear from God without the disturbance of the day, right? So you know how noisy the world is. Before you know it, your phone is filled with messages from group chats with whatsapp and group chats let's not even go into that conversation but social media is buzzing emails are dropping then you know if you live in like a city maybe the train start running you know just so much noise so during those early hours people are still sleeping the noise is at a much lower frequency it allows us to focus more on god i think this is why jesus actually really went in the morning it's not a rule anything but it just makes you just focus right I think that's so powerful. If Jesus himself needed focus while on earth, can just imagine what we need, right? So as I said, Jesus came early to the temple to teach. It also shows that this was a discipline the Jews practiced because if Jesus went to the temple, so he woke up early um, to go to the temple to teach. It means that the Jews and the disciples in turn also went to the temple early. What this tells me is that they went to the temple early to learn from God and to pray. I love this so much because it typifies what we as disciples, we as believers in Christ and, you know, as Christians should be doing with our mornings. And this is why the first thing we should do in the morning when we get up is to study the word and to pray, literally to take ourselves into the temple of God by, you know, you know, right now our bodies at the temple, so we don't necessarily have to go to a physical temple, but you can come, you can turn your, you can have altars in your place, you can have this place where you pray. Literally, it's all about you presenting yourself as that living sacrifice, being that temple where you can house the presence of God, study the word and to pray. Beautiful. So it says the people gathered as Jesus taught, then the scribes and Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery jesus clearly needed to visit mount olives with this matter that he had to deal with so imagine if he didn't get refreshed by the Spirit, how would he have handled this situation this is one major reason we must spend time alone in the presence of god in the morning before we start our day because it prepares us for our day because we don't know what the day would throw at us right just like jesus he went to mount olives he came to the temple boom challenging situation he didn't plan for it right so it prepares us for our day so when we've equipped ourselves with your armor in the morning you'll be able to withstand the fury that the enemy brings to you this is why we spend time in the morning it really prepares us for the day because trust the enemy is always waiting but when we start with god in the morning he 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 literally builds a hedge of protection around us to guard our hearts throughout the day. So they brought this woman to Jesus saying she was caught in the very act of adultery. <clears throat> I have so many thoughts on this. Number one, how did they catch her? Did they set her up? Did they peep through her, peep at her through the window? Did they plan with the man? You know, I'm sure this sounds familiar. If it was our day to day, the questions I'll be asking is, did they set up a camera? Did they set up cameras in the room? Did someone record her act without her knowing? Was the man involved? Like, how was she caught in the act if there wasn't someone who knew that the act was taking place or would take place? How were they able to catch her in the act and call her out? I'm sure she didn't announce to the streets that she was committing adultery today. So, guy, just show up real quick. Because this was something that was frowned upon. In today's world, it will be equivalent to being recorded in a sexual act and then it being posted on maybe social media or something so that it can be you can be called out. What? So many questions and thoughts, but we get the picture. May the Lord help us. From people who want to set you up just to find an accusation. We move on to verse 5 you see the men, they started presenting their case to Jesus. I mean, he was a rabbi teaching in the temple that day, so it made sense that they would break her to him. Then they said, it is true that according to Moses' law, <clears throat> that this woman should be stoned. And they said to Jesus, what do you say? So normally, I would assume that they would have stoned her without asking for her own perspective or part of the story. I mean... Because that was the law. I just assumed that they would do that. So as long as she went against the law, they would stone her. But in this case, they came to ask Jesus, why would they do that? So the Bible said they did this because they were testing him to have something to accuse him of, right? So normally, they wouldn't. I'm sure that normally, if they caught a woman else, they would do it immediately. Just think about even like in Nigeria, when they catch people stealing, Right. They just immediately start burning. They didn't even ask your perspective, right? So why is it that in this moment, they went to meet Jesus? Because they wanted to test him. It says, I mean, if Jesus said or acted against the law, this was also a right or a justification for them to say something against him so they could legitimately arrest him. So they're just looking for something to pin on Jesus. In fact, this tells me that when people want to bring you down, they find legitimate ways to do it. (laughs) may God really help us and have mercy on us. This teaching today is really about God's mercy. And I pray that the Lord will open your eyes to see how the mercy of God is so profound in this story and can be applied in our lives. We see how God's mercy works for us. Just imagine people trying to find legitimate, legal ways to bring you down. The truth is you won't be able to overcome this if God himself doesn't help you. Because you don't know that they are doing this unless God opens your eyes and your heart to discern it. May God continue to give us wisdom to navigate this life. So as I said, why did they come to ask him? Why didn't they just stone her immediately according to the law? Now, let me, let me show you something. The deeper mystery here is to their unseen motive is that they were asking the God in Jesus, that they were asking the ultimate authority in him what he thought. They recognized that he had some sort of superior authority and knew deep down that what he says can hold weight. Despite the fact that they were so determined to find fault in him by challenging his knowledge of Moses' law, deep down inside of them, they wanted to know what Jesus really thought about being caught in such an act so that when if it happened to them, they could use that to justify their own act. Let me explain to you what it means in today's world. You know how you want to get advice from some authority figure so that you can use the advice to determine or justify your own actions. That is basically what they did there. People go to men of God, they go to people that they look up to and they feel like maybe when this person gives me this advice, it will whatever they tell me can justify my action. This is what they did here. That was just interesting to me. And moving on to verse seven, it says they continue asking him you know, and then he, and so, and when they continue asking him about, like, the situation, Jesus put his, looked down, he says, so, he says, they were testing him to see his response for their own good, so, basically, they were testing him, but it was almost like, it was, you know, manipulative, (laughs) they were testing him to trap him, but they were also testing him, to get justification for himself. Even though they wanted to stone the woman based on religion, they also hoped that there was another solution that didn't require stoning in case it was their turn the next time. So they said that to test him. So Jesus bent down and wrote on the ground. So what was he writing? The guy, you know what I really appreciate about Jesus? Very wise, very smart. And this is why I love it in the Bible. You can pick cues on how to handle difficult situations. He bent down and wrote on the ground. What was he writing? I believe when he was writing on the floor, he was communicating with the Holy Spirit. He was saying, how do I handle these people? Like, what is all this? I just came here to teach in the temple. What is this woman? What is this trap that they're trying to set for me? This is a great strategy Jesus used and one that we must, and I believe we should adopt in our day-to-day, especially when we are faced with challenging situations or situations that test us. Because sometimes you know, that this particular thing is trying to trap you. What this means is that you don't have to speak immediately. You can store your response while you talk to the Holy Spirit for direction and the wisdom on what to say. So as soon as Jesus got his response from the Holy Spirit, he looked at them and said, If any one of you is without sin, stone her. Then when he was done, he, st- he stood back, he stooped back down and wrote on the ground, still communicating with the Holy Spirit. What does this show us? It shows us the strategy Jesus used here shows us that another principle shows us another principle that we can learn on how we can hear from the Holy Spirit. Hearing from the Holy Spirit is step by step. He instructs us step by step. First, Jesus said, if any one of you is without sin, stone her. This was the first instruction and guidance the Holy Spirit provided for Jesus. When When he said that, and he he and he obeyed. Jesus went back to ask for the next step. Remember, Jesus was fully God and fully man on Earth, so He made sure to walk as man, but led by the Spirit, so that He can model to us how to live on Earth. So Jesus went back to the Holy Spirit to ask for further guidance. The next, for the next step, and as He did that, everyone who heard it left his left heard what He first said, left His presence because they were convicted in their spirit. <clears throat> What this means is that the Holy Spirit knows exactly what will convict someone. So ask him for the strategy and the response. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. When we follow his instructions, he handles the conviction. So if the Holy Spirit tells you to say, tells you what to say in challenging situations, like in this case, especially when it comes to dealing with another person or a group of people, trust that the word he gives you will activate the conviction in their mind such that the situation then favors you. So in reality, and how does this work? What is the principle behind this? The Holy Spirit knows all things, right? So he knows the root cause or the true motives behind the situation, such that when the other party hears it, Or when you get, you are activated in your mind, right? The scripture says said that they all walked the way from oldest to youngest. Just imagine that. Imagine the beauty of God. When people want to accuse you, God says a word that vindicates you from your naysayers, from the oldest to the youngest. It doesn't matter their strat, their, their status, their strata, whatever it is in society, is able to vindicate you. <laughs> but keep in mind. God is the one that does that work. By leveraging our obedience to his instruction, you must obey. So what is the key here? The key here is that keep a constant line of communication. Keep your communication open with the Holy Spirit. Listen to his instructions and then obey and let him handle the rest. You can see Jesus looked down, right? He said, who amongst you has no sin? So He went back and he looked down and he just left it. Until the Holy Spirit said, look up again, they are all gone. So the Holy Spirit does the heavy lifting on the other person's end. I love this so much. If this doesn't show us the goodness and the mercy of God, I don't even know what else to say. This is how God allows us to live a stress-free life. When people have a legitimate reason to accuse you and to bring you down, But God says no, and he vindicates you from that accusation such that they can never bring up that accusation ever again. That is exactly what happened here. He knew the right strategy to say where they would never in their life be able to. Anybody that they would see committing adultery, they will not be able to say that thing because those words would always convict them. In verse 10, he says, When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? So Jesus looked up after he knew in his spirit, the work was done. Wow. I just found that so profound. Jesus didn't try to do the work himself. He waited for the Holy Spirit to do the conviction in their heart. So he looked up when the work was done. Jesus didn't interfere with the work of the Holy Spirit. He didn't want to take control, even though he was fully God. He focused his eye on his own focus, which was the ground just bantering with the Holy Spirit so that he doesn't get distracted by the Pharisees and the the scribes. He just kept looking at the ground. And when the work was done, when the Holy Spirit finished doing his own work, he looked up. He didn't try to fight the battle by himself. He focused on the Holy Spirit and he led the Holy Spirit to the work. In verse 11 to 12, we see that she said, no one, Lord. So when he looked up, he he saw that it was only him and the woman. And he asked her, where are they? They had all vanished, none left. The truth is no one is without blame, including I that I'm speaking. Only the mercy of God prevent, presents us blameless in God's sight because of the working of Jesus Christ in us through his death on the cross. So when you bring your case to Jesus, he gives you an explanation. He gives you a word. He gives you a solution that liberates you and liberates you from the condemnation of your accusers. It's a, two-edged, it's a two-edged sword. It gives you a solution that liberates you and liberates you from the condemnation of your accusers. He gives you an explanation and conviction that destabilizes and challenges your accusers. And when Jesus speaks to you, he does it without condemnation. I love it so much. He said, neither do I condemn you. He gives you a solution that liberates you and the process gives you a gift to not sin anymore. All your accusers no longer have any hold on you. And he said, I don't either. I believe Jesus is saying that to someone here today. I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. He told her, now you are free to go. Walk guilt-free, but don't go back to adultery. You know it's a sin, so don't do it anymore. But know that anyone who accuses you is also a sinner. So don't feel ashamed of your sin. Instead, be liberated knowing that you you are no longer bound by it. It doesn't have a hold on you anymore. Don't sin no more because sin allows others and your mind. And of course, spiritually speaking, it allows the enemy to have a hold on us. This is why God doesn't want us to sin. It's just the consequences of it the ramifications. Remember, the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. So he's always looking for something to use to accuse us in front of God. So funny, it's so funny that the way the Pharisees presented this case of this woman to Jesus is how the enemy accuses us daily in the presence of God. And the way Jesus treated the the Pharisees is how God treats Satan. God says to Satan, the blood of Jesus has covered that. Have you forgotten that when Jesus died and he resurrected, he defeated hell and the grave? You no longer have a hold on this one. I think that is just so powerful that this imagery of this accusation of the adulterous woman, as she was called in the Bible, shows us how God handles and Jesus, how the blood of Jesus handles our the accusations that the enemy brings in front of us. What it, it's such a powerful imagery of the mercy of God. That is available to us every day. No one that the Bible says the mercies of God are indeed new every day. And I want us to operate in that mindset. I wake up every day knowing, Father, your mercy is available to me today. The devil no longer has a hold on my mind, is can't accuse me because the blood of Jesus speaks better things for me than the blood than any other blood. I love how Jesus dropped the mic in verse 12. Like I was like, that is big energy moves. He said, let me tell you how I'm able to do what I just did for that woman and how I can do the same thing for you. Just listen real quick. He made the public information to everyone there. He said, let me show you how this works. He says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't walk in darkness anymore, but you would have light. You would have the light of life. What this means is that if you follow Jesus, you wouldn't walk in darkness. You would have the light of life. Truly following Jesus means that you would have light to show you where to go. You won't be confused. There won't be darkness. His light will light your path. His word will be a lamp onto your feet and a light onto your path. His word and the Holy Spirit will help you navigate life. And because of this, when you are in situations like this, situations where you, you, situations even where you were the one at fault, right? Because this is, she was literally, She was really, literally in sin and doing something against the law, right? So institutions where you are the one at fault, where you did something wrong, where you deserve the consequences, where people have a legitimate accusation over you, where the enemy also has a legitimate accusation over you, Jesus is saying, because I am the light. I can set you free. I am the one who brings light to dark places. I am the one who uses light to displace the consequences of your sin. The blood of Jesus frees us from the sin, but his light frees us from the guilt and the condemnation of the consequences of the sin. This is the mercy of God. The light of God, through his word and the spirit, elevates us to positions that allows God to vindicate us even when we are wrong. This is so deep and profound. The depth of this word is too deep to be explained on this call. But know this, nothing you can ever do is too big or too small or too great of a sin for God not to be able to vindicate you or save you from or give you complete liberty from. Because who the son sets free, he is free indeed. And I want you to walk in that confidence that there's nothing that you can do that can separate you from the love of God because Christ, who is the light of the world, is saying to you today, my blood has freed you from the sin. My light, which is the word of the Lord, frees you from the guilt and the condemnation and the consequences of the sin, which is exactly what happened to this woman here. Moving on to verse 13, we see the Pharisees challenging him. The Pharisees challenged Jesus' witness. Of course, they were just looking for something. They said, okay, you're Jesus, you're bearing witness of yourself and your witness is not true. So they were actually accusing him that he was bearing witness of himself alone, which is against the law of Moses' witness. We kind of talked about this in previous teaching about the law of witness. But in reality, Jesus wasn't bearing witness alone because the Holy Spirit and God bears, um, in that moment, were bearing witness to him and always did anyways. But Jesus, in, in a savage and radical manner, responded to them saying, even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true, like, confidence, hello, he, he was, he knew, he knew his stuff, right, so let us get things clear, you are accusing me falsely due to your lack of understanding, but I'm actually being witness, like, God never goes against himself, I feel like this is just boss moves, like, I think this is how we step into the confidence that the Holy Spirit brings, Um, Pastor Brian Houston said, I declare over you Holy Spirit boldness. And this is it, like bold moves, challenging them from a place of wisdom and understanding and authority. Jesus was saying, you are accusing me of not having my law of witnesses of Moses in check. Like, I don't go against a law that I create. It was basically, so what? So what? Even if I bear witness of myself, I know that my witness is true. I don't need another Outsider. I don't need another Pharisee to confirm my witness is true. My witness is the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of truth. And my witness is the Father, God the Father, who sent me on this assignment. That is all I need. He said, I know where I come from. I come from God. So I know my witness is true because God is true. But you don't know where I come from and where I'm going. So he was referring to why he came that you don't know that I came to do all this to die for humanity, like they don't know his purpose basically, you don't know my purpose, you don't know the agenda of God for my life, and and that I'm meant to save humanity, what I'm meant to do to save humanity, to save generations, to save lives, you don't know anything, Jesus was saying I know who I am in God, and and I know whose I am, you judge according to flesh, but I, I don't judge according to flesh, I judge no one, I don't even have time for that, Judgment is not in my hand, it's in the hands of God. So let God decide. Jesus was saying that even if he decides to judge, so it was basically like, you know, we are trying to like just prove your point. It was basically, that's what I was doing. It was like, even if I decide to judge, my judgment is true because God determines the judgment beforehand and I don't judge alone. I do what my father does. I'm with my father who sent me. He's saying, I don't make decisions outside of the will of God. And so should we. So what Jesus is painting here is that if you are following God and you are following the leading of the Holy Spirit, your witness is true because your witness, your the conviction in your spirit plus the Holy Spirit and the word that God is telling you is all you need. You don't need another person to validate what God is telling you to do. Jesus is confident in his actions and decisions because they are aligned to the will of God. He only does what the father does. So even if he decides that his witness is true, it is true because it is aligned to the will of God and God is true. If he decides to even make a judgment, which he said he doesn't do without without God authorizing it, right, it is still true because it is authorized by God. And because of this, he he only does what God wants him to do right? I believe that this is the hard posture that all of us should have, to do only what the Father says we should do, to align ourselves and our lives with the will of God, with the will of the Father. And then Jesus goes to say, even if I bear witness, as is required by the law of Moses, which says that the testimony of two men is true, in this case, I also meet that criteria, that I bear witness to myself, and the Father also bears witness with me. So there are already two people in this case, me and God, and this meets the law of you know the law of the witness criteria, right? I know I've said a lot, but let me break it down. What this implies is that you can bear witness with yourself by the Spirit of God, by the Word of God and its conviction, so that you so that you so that um, you and the Word or whatever the Word the Holy Spirit gives you, whether it's a prophetic Word or what in, in whatever where it comes, bears witness with your spirit. That's why conviction is so key in this journey. You must be convicted. This means that when God gives you a word through his scripture or the Holy Spirit or a prophetic word, and it bears witness in your spirit, you know, sometimes you just get the word and it just resonates, right? It means that you, you, when that moment when that word resonates, you are one witness. And then the word itself is another witness. I hope this makes it clear. And so Jesus is saying that that's all you need it suffices as the only evidence you need. When the word bears witness in your spirit, that conviction itself is a witness and the word itself is a witness because the word is true. The word is God. This means that you don't need everyone to agree with you or to be convinced with you. Your personal conviction with that of the spirit or the word of God holds weight. And this is important because sometimes people, even close friends and family, will not see eye to eye with the vision God has given you, with the dreams he has placed in your life, concerning in you, concerning your life, concerning your business, concerning your career, concerning your relationship. So hold on to your own conviction. This is why you need your conviction. This is why this journey with Christ is not a group project. You must have, you must experience God on your own. And as long as you are led by the spirit, hold on to that. That is all you need to so him who believes, so shall he be unto him. You don't need everybody's, you know, buying. All you need is the buying of the Holy Spirit, the will of God, His agenda, His plans. Verse nineteen to twenty. <clears throat> they said to him, "Where is your father?" Jesus was basically like, um, "That's kind of like, a, I mean, this is my own interpretation. That's kind of like a stupid question." But hey, as usual. I don't stoop low to your level. I'm going to elevate my response to you. And so his response was like, he didn't answer them as usual. He elevated his, ele- he changed, he elevated the, the conversation and shifted it to the higher realm of thinking. He said, <clears throat> So it's like you you neither know me nor my father. So basically, the Pharisees wanted a physical location of Jesus' his father. They wanted physical proof that he was sent by God. They wanted evidence that his message was from God. They wanted wanted to know that the vision was from God. Maybe they wanted to see where Jesus's father, as per God, lived. so they could walk to him and talk to him because I don't really get. so they could have or they could have physical evidence. or maybe they were talking about Joseph, like, Where is your father? So we can go report to you. What kind of nonsense is this? Why are you feeling like? I I don't know. Who knows, right? But one thing I know is that many of us and many people want to see physical evidence of your father, of what God is saying to you, of this conviction that you carry before its maturation. You see, they were asking him, "Where, Where is your father? They wanted to know, How is he saying all these things? When he was saying, You don't know where I'm going, where I'm coming. So they wanted to see evidence, evidence. And Jesus responded saying, you you know neither me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. So what Jesus is saying is that you want evidence of my father so you can prove. So maybe you can then believe me, right? And Jesus is saying, you can't see proof because you don't know me or my father. That if if you had spent time in my presence, if you had gotten to know me, then you will know who my father is because he will reveal himself to you because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The only way we can see proof of the father in our lives and the lives of others is when we know God, especially even when we haven't stepped into the physical manifestation of that word. So a lot of times God will give you a word and there's no physical manifestation yet. So it's almost like the word is pending. And then you you're you're going about saying this word that God gives you. Yeah, I'm the Son of God. I, I am a prophet to nations. I am a woman of wisdom. I am a mighty warrior, you know, strong in battle. So, you know, you're saying all these affirmations. And then people are looking at you like, mm-hmm, yes, affirming. but the way your life is looking and the words you are saying, they don't relate. They want proof. They want proof. Right? They want to see proof. <laughs> because that word hasn't fully manifested, manifested, right? And Jesus is saying that for those who want to see proof or the evidence of God's word or promise in your life before it's time, before the time is right for the word to be manifested, that they can't see proof until it's fully mature because they don't know the father. I think it's so profound because when people come at you and and they look at you less than the word that God is giving you and the conviction that you carry. It is not their fault. It's because they don't have that relationship. Because if they know the father, they will see it before they see it. They will see how God sees, because that is one thing I know God does. God would always let you see the way he sees. There's so much to unpack here. But the summary is people who don't have really have that genuine friendship and intimate relationship with God may find it difficult to see the proof of God. Or the father in your life just because the evidence they seek hasn't yet been manifested. So, that period of waiting, you know, before the word is manifested, is a period of waiting. People keep asking, ah, boy, you are saying you are a mighty man of valor, but we don't see any valor, we don't see any might. Right now, you look weak. They can't see because they don't have that relationship with God. But that people who know God in intimate relationship don't need to see the evidence that God sent you, they don't need to see because They already see the way God sees, and so they believe that what God is doing in your life, with that they believe what God is doing in your life without seeing a physical evidence of it. This is what faith is all about. This is the definition of faith. In verse, finally, in verse twenty, we see that. I mean, there's just so much to unpack there, but I just hope that God, the Holy Spirit, just sheds light into your life, as I just put on. This is what faith is about. People don't need to see it. People always want to see evidence. But the thing is that you must see it before you see it. Finally, in verse 20, it says, Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. What irony. He taught where they kept money. This signifies that the value of this message, this message is so deep. I'm telling you that this thing can be unpacked for like days. This means that the understanding this message is just as valuable and has as much buying power as money or things in your treasure. And it also says that they couldn't lay hands on him or arrest him because his time had never come. And because his time had never come, they couldn't see this proof or evidence. Remember, the proof and evidence we're seeking was going to happen when he died, when he he resurrected. What we are experiencing today, they can't see it because they were were like, they are even dead. (laughs) The manifestation of it was coming after the fact. So when you know God, He will protect you from the people who want to kill your purpose prematurely, who want you to step into before God says it is time. He will protect you from people who want to suffocate you with conversations on evidence of God's working in your life until they can believe that God is really with you. He will protect you from them. He will cut off relationships of people who want to be questioning, okay, how far, how far, how far, how far. He will cut it off. That is what God does. May God have mercy on us. It's really, this stuff is deep. So you don't need proof to justify what God is doing in your life. All you need to, to do is to see it before you see it, as Pastor Mike Todd always says. And to be personally convicted in your spirit by the Holy Spirit and his word that you were sent by God for this assignment. And that you were sent by God to do the works that he has prepared in advance for you to do. Therefore, I urge you tonight to take up the full The whole armor of God, the full armor of God to be fully kitted, that you may be able to stand in the evil day, to be able to stand naysayers, to be able to stand your accusers. And having done all that, stand. Because God, who sent you, is backing you up. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. And I just pray that, Lord, you will shine light on this word and that this word will become word in flesh would we'll live out this word will live out the principles that we've learned tonight and that you give us you'll fortify our spirit man our emotions our life to you know to be able to take on this calling that you've called us to do to be able to live in this world just as jesus did amen 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 to summarize this teaching so here are key points to you know to enable you to live an extraordinary life. Number one, as disciples and leaders, we must always seek to be replenished, to replenish our spirits by spending time in God's presence, um, and to re-energize our soul, our body, get adequate rest. You know, get, go on vacation, take a retreat. You know, it's all part of it. God encourages that. It's not just work, 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 work. You know what I mean? <laughs> Balance, everyone. Number two, stay connected to the Holy Spirit. Keep a constant line of communication um, open with the Holy Spirit. Listen to his instructions, obey, and let him handle the rest. Number three, this is so profound, and please hold on to this. The blood of Jesus frees you from the sin, and his light, that means the word that he gives, frees us from the guilt and the condemnation of the consequences of the sin, including the accusations from other people. And even our mind and ourselves. Because you know the enemy always does that. Finally, you don't need proof to justify what God is doing in your life. All you need is to see before you see it. And to be personally convicted in your spirit by the Holy Spirit and the word of God. That you were sent by God for this assignment. And that you were sent by God to do what he has prepared for you to do. Whether it's in your place of work, your business, in your relationship. Any aspect of that. God placed you there. When you have that conviction that you were there by God. That is all that you need. Your spirit and the Holy Spirit and God the Father who sent you is all the witness you need. You don't need any other person to validate your calling. It is done. Holy Spirit, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for Holy Spirit for being here tonight. (laughs) The word, actually, I feel like there was such a big move of the Holy Spirit tonight. And I just, I thank you Holy Spirit for your move and what you're doing in our hearts and in our minds tonight that you have really, really elevated our mindset to the next level. Thank you for another time to fellowship with you and to learn from your word. Um, Jesus, we thank you for always teaching us through your life and your example. You are our role model and our mentor. I just want to say thank you. We love you so much. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus, son of God, have mercy on us. Have mercy We surrender our lives to you tonight, and we ask that your mercy speaks for us in this moment. Thank you for loving us despite our flaws, our weaknesses, and our insecurities. Thank you because your mercies are new every single day over our lives. Thank you for always overlooking our errors and shortcomings, and you still extend your love to us. You still extend your grace and your mercy to us every day. Your arms outstretched to pick us up when we fall. Lord, we are sorry. Thank you for loving us despite our human weaknesses, our shortcomings. Lord, we love you and we just say thank you. Because you are not man, but you are God who forgives and wipes off our sins and clean and you cleanse our sins, Cleaning it out completely, making us white as snow. No more stains. Thank you for washing us as white as snow. Thank you for liberation. Because who the sun sets free, he is free. Thank you because everyone here is free. We thank you because we are free indeed. Holy Spirit, we ask for a fresh infilling of your spirit and your power. Strengthen us, renew us, restore us, fill us up till we overflow. Let our lives become permanent carriers of your presence. Make us mobile portals and altars of your glory and your presence. Holy Spirit, teach us to commune and communicate with you every day, 24-7. Let our lives be in constant communication and constant frequency with your frequency. Help us to obey your instructions. I declare that we walk in the overflow of the Spirit. We walk in overflow and not in overwhelm. Lord Jesus, you said if we need wisdom, we should ask. God, make us men and women of wisdom. Fill us with the Spirit of wisdom till we overflow. And Holy Spirit, continue to give us and lead us with wisdom as we navigate our day-to-day life. I declare that we are ones who do not judge, but we operate by the Spirit of God. We are ones who do not judge, we are ones who are not borrowed vessels and become accusers of our own fellow brothers and sisters, but we are led by the Spirit of God. I declare that the accuser of the brethren, the enemy will not have anything to accuse us with. I declare that our lives, over our lives, the accuser of the brethren has no place and he is cast down by the salvation, the strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, open the volume of your books written of us to us that we may walk in your will and the plan and the agenda of God for our lives. Lord, we declare that we are your workmanship created in christ for good works which the lord god has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them i declare that everyone listening is your masterpiece equipped to do the work god has called them to do and with christ who empowers us through the help of the holy spirit we can do all things no matter how difficult it looks no matter how dead it looks that we can do all things (laughs) i declare that we We only do what the father does we do not move in our own volition but we are led by the spirit of god because we are sons of god i declare that we are sons and we are spirit-led we are sons and we are spirit-led in the mighty name of jesus lord let your wisdom present us perfect in christ jesus before our before the lord almighty i declare that we are fully kitted in the whole armor of our Lord, of God, and we'll be able to stand in the evil days, in the days, in the challenging situations, in the presence of our enemies, and how we done know, we will stand firm because we stand on the rock who is our Lord, Jesus Christ, and we stand on the foundations that have been laid by our fathers of faith, by the prophets and the apostles of old, in the mighty name of Jesus. Jesus, you are the light of the world. Shine your light in our lives. You said in your word, He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I decree and declare that everyone that we have the light of life, let your light power our heart, our spirit, our mind, our thoughts, our emotions, our soul, and our body. Let your light be the only source powering our being the very core of our being, let it be powered by your light. I declare that your light breaks forth within us to drive out every darkness in any area of our lives, that there's still darkness, that there's still confusion, that there's still disorder. Open the eyes of our heart to see, Lord. Illuminate our heart and that every dark place within our within us let your let there be light i release the light of god over every dark place of your life and i declare let there be light where there's confusion i decree clarity where there's chaos i decree order where there's darkness i decree light thank you father because who the Son sets free is free indeed and you set us free by your word and your word has gone up tonight and i declare that we are free indeed because our lord jesus christ your firstborn has set us free tonight. We walk in liberty and freedom. Welcome to your season of liberty and freedom. By the power of God, I decree over you, walk in light from today. The word of the Lord, the voice of the Lord will be your rear and your front guard. His word will bring clarity to your path and who will guide you to the way everlasting. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the assurance of your word today. We just want to say thank you. We thank you for another time in your presence. We thank you for liberty. We thank you for light. We thank you for clarity. We thank you for freedom. We thank you because we are those that are led by the Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's session. I hope you were blessed. I trust you were. Don't forget to invite your friends to the sessions or get them to sign up to receive our daily prayers and to get access to the bi-weekly Bible study session. The link is in the bio. See you next time. Ciao.